Hello to the people. What is up, Miami Dolphin fans? This is Aaron the Brain bringing you a special episode of the same old Dolphin show. Of course, affiliated with the Dolphins Talk dot com podcast network make sure to check out dolphinstalk.com for all things Miami Dolphins well I said it's a special episode because well you know it's been a few weeks since the Dolphins have had any games we took a couple of weeks off Josh is still taking time off well you know from the podcast not from important stuff but He's not that big into the offseason. Frankly, I'm not a huge offseason guy when it comes to the draft, but we'd be remiss if we didn't pump up this offseason after basically calling the 2019 season an extended preseason. So it's basically like everything that happened over the past calendar year has been a a buildup to this offseason. And since the Dolphins are in the offseason, we still got one more game, the big game, the Super Bowl coming up in Miami between the Chiefs and the 49ers, which I may make a prediction by the end of the day, or I might decide, uh, might decide to save that and do a special little episode for it next week. But I don't know. We'll see how I'm feeling by the end of this. These solo shows can be a bit laborious, uh, as I try to get more and more used to just talking to myself, talking to a brick wall and just stream of consciousness rambling about what I have seen and what my thoughts are about the Dolphins currently and speaking about where we are, where we are. Yeah, where we are is we're talking about this 2020 offseason and the impending draft and the first stop on the first major stop, I should say, on putting draft boards together and really getting ready to do your big, you know, draft shows, your your mock drafts, putting all those things together, it really starts at the Senior Bowl. After the Senior Bowl, you've got the scouting combine, then you're going to have the pro days, and before you know it, the draft will be here, and it'll be a big celebration as the Dolphins will hopefully find the answer to the long... The uh, the question that has haunted this franchise for over 20 years about who the next franchise quarterback will be for your Miami Dolphins. But it starts with the Senior Bowl. Uh, it's, it's essentially a, a week-long job interview, a first round of interviews uh, before you get to the, sc- the scouting combine, which is ultimately a second interview, and and then those pro days, as, as mentioned before. But... I wanted to talk about some of the guys that, look, you didn't see all of the the biggest prospects in this game. You know, you're going to have some that don't play, but there were still quite a few guys out there in both in practice and then in the game uh, on Saturday afternoon that could be potential targets for your Miami Dolphins in the 2020 draft. So I just wanted to talk about what I saw and what my thoughts are going into the draft when it pertains to those players and what the Dolphins should do uh, with their picks. Three first rounders, 5, 18, and 26. And then don't forget about their second rounders, 37 and 56. Uh, so five picks that they're going to have there in the first two rounds. So a good possibility that the Dolphins will end up with a with a couple of guys, uh, more maybe even more than a couple of guys, that 
showed up there and 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 played in Mobile this past week. So more so than any other position, obviously we're not going to bury the lead. Quarterback is what it's all about. Everybody wants to know, should the Dolphins take Tua? If they don't take Tua, what do they do with the position? First off, before getting big into this point, I'm just going to say it out there. And then, you know, as we get closer and closer to the draft and we do more of a draft centric preview show, I'll, I'll probably hammer this point uh, home across or <laughs> drive this point home a lot more later as we get closer to the draft. But the Dolphins sit at number five. They've got some competition in front of them as far as guys that could potentially take Tua if Tua is the answer. And my my thought on this, and I tweeted this out uh, once he declared, was it's simple. If the Dolphins want Tua Tungavailoa, if he's their guy, and they decide, the doctors look at him, and they decide this is our guy, then the Dolphins will have Tua Tungavailoa as their quarterback. It doesn't matter if it's staying at five or if they have to trade up, whether it's to number two, number three, one spot ahead to number four, wherever it is, at the end of the day, if the Dolphins want him, they should get him because Joe Burrow is going to go number one to Cincinnati. That seems like a foregone conclusion. It does not seem at this point, look, Washington they drafted Haskins number 15 overall. He had a slow start, you know, didn't didn't play much in the first I don't think he played at all the first month of the season. Then he got in there. He didn't look particularly good, but he actually ended the season well for for the Redskins and it would seem to me with all of the injury concern around Tua and him not being the sure thing that they would build off of the success that Dwayne Haskins had at the end of last year, so they wouldn't be in the market for a quarterback. Uh, the Giants, who pick at number four, Daniel Jones, while I don't think that Daniel Jones had a particularly good year, the Giants seem to be very happy with the guy that they took early in the, I think it was pick number six in in last year's draft, so they don't appear in the market for a quarterback. There are the Lions at number three and questions about uh, whether or not they are interested in 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 drafting a quarterback, uh, seeing as though they've got a lot of money tied into to Matthew Stafford. You know, maybe they could trade him. Maybe they can move on from Stafford and rebuild around a new, uh, a young franchise quarterback. Personally, I don't think that's where they're going. I think they look at it and say, look, Stafford was playing really well last year before he got hurt. And we've got issues to address on the defensive side of the ball. Matt Patricia, after two kind of uninspiring years, there in Detroit is probably on the hot seat. So they've got to win games and it wouldn't make very much sense for them to draft a quarterback that might not even be ready to go by the start of the season. If that's, if that's what they, you know, are trying to do, which is win games this season. So I don't think that's where Detroit's at. So that really means unless somebody trades up ahead of Miami, Two is going to be there at five, but that is the concern. You've got right after Miami at number six and number seven, the Los Angeles Chargers and the Carolina Panthers. Uh, you can go down further to, to pick number nine with the Jaguars. I don't think the Jaguars will be quite as in the market, but 
Uh, and certainly not to trade up. I don't think so, considering the amount of money they spent on both Nick on on Nick Foles and then the the success that they had with Gardner Minshew in his rookie year. So I don't believe. Oh man, excuse me. I'm just going to keep rolling with it and just leave that in. Um, <laughs> you know, these things happen and, you know, I'm unable to mute it when when I'm just having a conversation by myself. So uh, anyway, where was I? Yeah, I don't think that the Jaguars are a threat to, to move up. So really, it just comes down to the Chargers and the Panthers on whether or not those teams are willing to trade up. And if those teams are willing to trade up, the Dolphins will have a chance to match or beat any of their offers. And the fact is, is that the Dolphins just have way more to offer than those teams because the Dolphins also have pick number 18, also have pick number 26. Those teams do pick instead of uh, 39. I'm sorry if I said 37 earlier in the second round. The Dolphins pick 39th in the second round. The Chargers 37th, 38th. So the Dolphins probably, you know, it, it, let's say the Chargers and Panthers, who the, each of those teams only have one first round pick. Let's say those two teams offer, uh, you know, their second round pick. The Dolphins can easily beat that by offering either number 18 or number 26. I guess there's also the possibility that one of those teams could say, well, hey, we'll trade a first round pick for next year. And a team, you know, a team like, you know, maybe Washington looks at that and says, well, uh, a first rounder next year from the, from the Chargers or Panthers might be a better first round pick than the Dolphins 18th or 25th or 26th this year. I just don't think that's the case. And at the end of the day, if it, if it takes Miami throwing in like an extra fifth or sixth round pick, or, you know, probably not a sixth, but a fifth round pick to, to sweeten the deal at the end of the day, it's about getting your franchise quarterback. It's it's it was the reason for the season, if you will. The reason for the the tank, the rebuild, whatever you want to call it, was to try to get your franchise quarterback. And if Tua is the guy that they want, then Tua is the guy that they're going to get one way or another. Uh unless he, you know, doesn't pass his medical, in which case he's not the guy that they want. So I guess I ended up going way, way in on that anyway. Um, but we'll see how things play out in that regard. The quarterbacks that were on display this week at the Senior Bowl, really the two of note are, of course, Herbert and Jordan Love. Herbert was kind of the darling of practice and of the game, ended up being the MVP of the game, and I thought looked pretty good. But again, it was nothing spectacular. And what a lot of the experts will point out about Herbert's performance over the week and in the course of the game is that he did everything that you'd expect, but the downside, the weaknesses in his game were not really exploited in the, in the senior bowl because the weaknesses in his game are reading coverages, dealing with with pressure, dealing with adversity in big game situations. And that just, you know, when when the other team isn't allowed to blitz and they're only allowed to play certain coverages, you know, it was a very it was a very easy game for Jordan Herbert or for Josh Herbert. And also while he made some nice throws, he didn't he didn't 
do anything to wow you. There was nothing uh, where he he made some brilliant throw down the field or some b- brilliant read or anything like that. It was a lot of short, intermediate timing routes. And look, he was accurate for the most part. I do think that there were a couple of times where he threw on the run where he wasn't necessarily way off the mark, but he wasn't exactly you know, pinpoint on the run. And I think that's an aspect of his game where you got to, you got to watch and you got to say, you know, is, is this an aspect of his game where he's not elite? You know, maybe he's decent throwing off the run because he's got the athleticism and he's got the arm, but is, does his accuracy really drop when he, when he's rolling outside of the pocket? Ultimately though, it was a, it was a great week for him in practice and a great game. So the consensus seems to be that, that Herbert is, is a lock to be a top 15 pick. So what if the Dolphins don't get Tua? What if the Dolphins, uh, you know, decide to pass on him because they're not sold on his, his medical? You know, where do I stand on Herbert? Huh. <sighs> I, I'm just, Look, when when I see a guy that's got all the physical tools and the things that are being criticized or critiqued are his his mental acumen and his ability to come through when he's under pressure and when things break down, his ability to do things off script, that concerns me. And frankly, uh, the guy that he's been drawing a lot of comparisons to, I know Travis Wingfield has been comparing him to... Ryan Tannehill for better over a year now. And look, we're going to go crazy here because everybody's going to say, well, look what Tannehill did in the postseason this year, one game away from the Super Bowl. And I just want to remind people, look, Ryan Tannehill uh, is, a, is a solid quarterback in this league. That just kind of is what he is. And it's not he's but at the end of the day I don't believe that Ryan Tannehill is a franchise quarterback I think what Ryan Tannehill is is he is a game manager to a certain extent because he's not gonna win you games if you ask him to do too much he's not the kind of guy that can put his team on his back and carry them but he is the kind of guy that if he's got a great defense and a great running game and and, he, and you give him protection, he is a guy that can make some big time throws in some big big time situations in small sample sizes. In you know when you're not asking him to do too much over the course of one game, and that to me that's great. You can win with that if you've got the great team around him, but that's not what I'm looking for in, in a franchise quarterback. Jordan Love, on the other hand, uh, you see the the wild uh, fluctuations, the highs and the lows for him in this practice, and, and he's kind of the the enigma of this draft class because he's got all of the raw physical traits that the scouts love, but and he had the amazing year in 2018 but in 2019 it was a dreadful year but he had nine new starters on the offensive line had a new or on the offense in general had a new coaching staff and he even said it in an interview on the move the sticks podcast about how it affected him he he really pointed to that and while he didn't necessarily excuse himself or make excuses the fact is is that it's pretty clear that that was a big reason for his struggles this past season. 
But when you watch, when you hear the things that the scouts say, and then you go and you watch him on the field, look, he had two deep balls that I thought were just beautiful throws and just, just wow throws, wow plays. One of them kind of on the run, stepping up in the pocket, pocket kind of collapsing in front of him, can't even get a full step into the throw, but just a flick of the wrist and the ball is thrown 40, 45 yards down the field. And it looks like a beautiful back shoulder pass receiver, just unable to come up with it. It's throws like that. It's his athleticism that's drawing comparisons to Patrick Mahomes. And I'm seeing it. And I'm sorry, I buy in. And so I'm at the point now where this guy is, is the plan B if, if you're not getting to a, and the question now with Jordan was when it comes to Jordan Love, if you're not taking Tua, at what point do you take Jordan Love? Because you don't know where he's gonna go. Does he go at six or seven? Is that where Herbert goes? Is does he go? Does he fall down to Jacksonville? Does he fall all the way down? You know, maybe maybe Indianapolis or, or Las Vegas with the Raiders, even, even the Broncos or the, or the Buccaneers down there somewhere in the, in the teens, you know, do they take him? Does he fall all the way back to, to Miami at 18 if they don't take a quarterback at number five? And look, my answer to this question really, I mean, look, you could trade down and it's risky, but it, like if the Dolphins don't like Tua and they trade down, what they're basically be doing is they're letting the Chargers and Carolina have first dibs. And if one of those teams likes Jordan Love, then Miami doesn't get him. And if they if they're not drafting Tua because of medical reasons, then Miami has kind of shot themselves by trading down. So I think trading down is very risky. If they're sitting at five and Tua is there. Uh, assuming no other quarterbacks have been have been taken, if they really do feel like Jordan Love is their guy, you don't need to trade down at that point. I I, I think it's it's too much of a gamble because if the Dolphins like him enough to pick him at number five, who's to say that the Chargers don't like him enough at number six, or the Panthers don't like him enough at seven, or that some other team doesn't like him enough to trade up to move back ahead of Miami wherever you know Miami gets if they trade down. Like let's say Miami trades down uh, to number to number eight or to number nine or or wherever. If, if Jordan Love is a guy that they want and that's the guy that they're targeting over Tua because of, of health concerns, or maybe Tua goes at number three and then they say, you know, they, they, they like Tua, but they didn't feel like it was worth trading up and they're sitting at number five. If they like Jordan Love, if, if they believe he's a franchise quarterback, then I say you just go take him, take him at number five because there's no difference. Look, if you take your franchise quarterback at number five, you take your franchise quarterback at number nine, you take your franchise quarterback at 18, you take him at 26. It doesn't matter. At the end of the day, the question is, is he a franchise quarterback? And if he is, you take him if you're sold. If you're not sold enough to take him at number five, then I don't know why you'd be sold enough to take him at 18 or at 26. So uh, for me, it's really simple. If they want Tua, they should they should get him. Nothing should stand in their way. 
And if they're on the fence about Tua or or they just decide they don't want him, then Jordan Love is the guy. And I I don't believe that anybody ahead of them will take him. And if they like if they believe Jordan Love is their guy, then I would take him at number five and I wouldn't have any qualms with it. Uh, but there was more than just the quarterbacks <laughs> at this uh at the senior bowl. I think the second biggest uh position of need is just all those positions along the offensive line, tackle, guard, and center. And I saw some things. Uh, Josh Jones was a guy that was talked about having a great practice, a guy who came into the week many feeling uh, he's a second-round pick and a guy that I think probably the Dolphins you know, probably have in mind as a potential pick there in the second round, whether it's with number 39 or all the way down to 56. At this point, after the week that he had, I think it's highly doubtful he goes all the way down to 56. And at this point, 39 seems like it might even be a pipe dream. So this is a guy that the Dolphins might need to consider taking with either that number 18 pick or the number 26 pick. And he looks to be quite possibly... He, he he was certainly the best uh, tackle there in the Senior Bowl. Whether or not he is the the best tackle in the entire class, uh, that that maybe remains to be seen. There are some very good ones in this class. Whether it's Jedrick Willis or Andrew Thomas or Tristan Wirfs or Austin Jackson, there there are some really good tackles in this draft and. The Dolphins, but but not just tackles, but guards as well. And just a lot of good offensive linemen that I think the Dolphins will be targeting, particularly if they get their quarterback with the with their top pick at number five or whether they have to trade up. I think offensive line is definitely the next place that they go because there is there is depth there and it's just such a huge need. I know a lot of people have been mocking uh, DeAndre Swift to the Dolphins uh, with that number 18 pick. Personally, I just don't think this... I don't think this Dolphins team, uh, this this front office, whether it's Brian Flores or Chris Greer, I just don't believe that they value the running back position enough to take a guy that high when you have other pressing needs on that offensive line. Look, you can certainly go after a DeAndre Swift, after a Jonathan Taylor or a J.K. Dobbins, but I just think I I think there's just too much of a need at, at at offensive line to attack it and just just you're you're bringing in a new quarterback, bring it, fix this offensive line that was the biggest problem with this team all last season, and then. You can find a running back somewhere. That's just that's just the way this thing is. I mean, look at I know. Look, the the Dolphins were dreadful running the ball last year, but they were dreadful when they had Kenyon Drake running the ball last year. Who, as soon as we traded him, turned into an All Pro playing in, in Arizona, and then we got Mark Walton looked pretty good in stretches. You know, Chris uh, Chris Laird and or Patrick Laird and and uh Miles Gas well Miles Gaskins didn't really look like like much of anything but running backs are really a product of the offensive line is what it comes down to is it's just you got a great offensive line that can create holes 
the running back's going to be able to go through it. You might not have a special one right away, but you don't need a special running back to win to win Super Bowls. Just look at uh you know, last year the New England Patriots getting all the way to the Super Bowl with the guys that they got with with a combination of of Rex Burkhead and James White and Sony Michelle. Look at look at this year. The the Chiefs and the 49ers playing in the Super Bowl. The 49ers are are a three-headed giant, a running back by committee. The Kansas City Chiefs, Damian Williams, it's the, these guys, none of these guys are special talents at the running back position. But both teams have great offensive lines, and thus they're able to run the football. I just don't think it makes a lot of sense to draft a running back in the first round while you still have issues at the offensive line. If this team was built, you know, had a great offensive line, had very few pieces that needed to be filled, then I think, okay, you could start looking for those missing pieces because a running back, you're basically drafting a running back for four or five years until he gets, until he, you know, finishes out his rookie contract. Because if a, if a running back is really good after his rookie contract, you got to way overpay for him and it's just not worth it. So do you want to, do you want to draft a running back? Do you want to draft a player that you're only going to have for four or five years when you're probably not even two or three years away from being a legit Super Bowl contender. So you're just banking on him being really good three years down the line while you're trying to, you've got two years to win a Super Bowl with him. It just doesn't make sense to draft a running back that high unless you have a great team around him. So I I, I really feel like offensive line is where the Dolphins are going to go. And I think uh, whether it's Josh Jones or a couple of guards that, that kind of came up big in the in the senior bowl uh the two interior linemen that that really jumped off the page for me were uh the guys from LSU Damian Lewis and Lloyd Cushenbury Cushenbury potentially a center um and Damian Lewis a guy that can play guard center maybe even a little bit of tackle both of those guys I thought looked dominant and those are guys that look dominant all year long against uh, against SEC defenses so I would look at those guys at being potential targets when the Dolphins pick down at 18 or 26 I think also the Dolphins could be in the market for an edge rusher I thought Josh Uche uh, looked really good I don't know if he's necessarily a uh, guy that fits into the scheme, but he looked explosive. He's all over the place. He <laughs> look. He had a he had a, a sack in in the Senior Bowl, and then had a one where it should have been a sack, but for whatever reason, he had a mental lapse. And all all week long, you were only allowed to touch the quarterback. You couldn't you couldn't tackle him. And I guess he had like a little bit of a brain fart, and he came clear with a free release at uh jo- at at Josh Herbert on their first drive. And instead of going for the sack, he just kind of touched him and let Josh Herbert run up the middle for about a 15 to 20 yard gain. But I thought he looked really explosive and he's a guy that can run around all over the, all over the secondary and coverage kind of, you know, kind of a clone almost to, to, uh, to Baker, 
uh, who to Jerome Baker, who we already have there, uh, but maybe a little bit more of a pass rushing acumen. So you, maybe you go in next year and you've got Josh Uche and uh, either Van Ginkle or or Beagle, you know, in sub packages, like rotating in and out. And then you got, you know, Jerome Baker and Raekwon McMillan just really filling out a really athletic linebacking core. I think it could be a lot of fun to watch. I think he's a guy that maybe they can nab in the second round with either that number 39 pick or number 56. If he goes up a little bit higher, maybe he he's a guy that uh, we start thinking about with that number 26 pick, but he's definitely a guy that is on the radar. I don't believe that Isaiah Simmons, the linebacker from Clemson, will be will be there. I think Kenneth Murray, a linebacker uh, that the Dolphins could be considering in that 18 to 26 range. A guy that uh, I think most had as a third round pick who I think probably made a big jump this year was the linebacker out of Ohio State, Malik Harrison. He was all over the place both in practice and in the games. A linebacker that can roam all over the field, again, do things in coverage, very versatile, and can also be a pass rusher. I think he's a guy that the Dolphins can target in the second round, you know, if not the third round, if he drops a little bit. But I, but I would say he's a guy that I would definitely be looking at with either of those two second round picks. So um, some guys on both sides of the ball, receiving wise, the wide receiver, from Florida, Van Jefferson, I thought had uh, a good week and looked really fluid and, you know, maybe arguably the best route runner. And so the Dolphins, who probably aren't really high in the market of, of a wide receiver, but could be looking at somebody, you know, maybe in, you know, the third day of the draft, if he falls to him, he could be, he could be uh, potentially a target for them as well. So, uh, there were some players on display. I know this was kind of a rambly one. These tend to happen. Uh, I was hoping <laughs> to have somebody on with me to talk with about these prospects, make things a little bit more conversational, make things a little bit easier on me. But hopefully you enjoy my ramblings at least a bit and you didn't find it too obnoxious because there's a good chance I'm going to be doing a few more of these as we build up to the draft, as we build up to the combine, and then up to ultimately putting together a little bit of a mock draft prior to the big weekend, the big draft weekend coming up in April. So anyway, just a reminder of where you can find us both uh, on the the web and in podcast land. You can always find our, our podcast hosted on the main page on dolphinstalk.com. Uh, you can find our links on Twitter, uh, at same old dolphins. Uh, you can follow us on Facebook at, at the Facebook page, same old dolphins show. Uh, you can download the podcast on Stitcher, on Spotify, on iTunes. You can find it anywhere basically that you can find podcasts. And, you know, make sure to give us a, a like, a rate, a review. You know, let us know how you like the, how you like the show. If you have any questions, feel free to tweet at us. You could tweet at me directly, uh, at Aaron the Brain. You could tweet at Same Old Dolphins to tweet our show. You can tweet Josh at Amplified to Josh, uh, or is it Amplified to Rock? 
I don't remember anymore. I think it's Amplified to Rock, and he's got the username or the handle Amplified to Josh. Either way, same old Dolphins or Dolphins Talk Josh, I think he also is using. Uh, I should really be up more on Twitter so that I've got clear answers to this instead of just kind of guessing. But one of those will probably do the trick and probably get your question through. But you can definitely reach me at Aaron the Brain, and you can definitely reach the show at Same Old Dolphins. Anyway, with all that said, Thank you. Oh, Super Bowl preview. Super Bowl preview. I don't know that I'm going to get a Super Bowl preview show done next week, so I'm going to give you a quick little prediction. Everything in my head when I break this game down, looking at stats, looking at, you know, film, common opponents, the way the the two teams have been playing, everything tells me to take the 49ers, that the 49ers are just going to be the more physical team. They're going to be physically dominating in a similar way to the way that they were against the Green Bay Packers and that the Chiefs, a team that, uh, you know, kind of came on strong at the end of the year, fell behind big time in their two playoff games before storming back on the back and shoulders of Patrick Mahomes and that they cannot afford to do that. Uh, against the 49ers and that the, you know, let's face it, the 49ers are way better than both the, uh, the Titans and the Texans, which are the two teams that the Chiefs beat to get here. But I'm throwing that all out the window because this is just one of those things. I, I said this, uh, for years growing up. Uh, I said it about Marino. I said, look, if Marino ever gets to a Super Bowl towards the end of his career, uh, that the team will win. They ended up never really getting there and never really even being close to being in that position after 93, which is, you know, I, I started saying that more towards the end of his career, mid to late nineties. Uh, but I was saying it about Elway after losing three Super Bowls, he finally got to the Super Bowl against the Packers. Everybody said that the Packers were the better team. And I said, I'm sorry, the Broncos are going to get there and Elway is going to will them to victory. And that's what happened. And then, you know, when Peyton Manning, uh, with the, with that Broncos team, uh, the, the Panthers were 15 and one. They're blowing everybody out of the water. Peyton Manning is, you know, a shell of himself, even though that Denver defense was playing so well. Carolina, the favorites going into the game. And I thought was, look, he's just, Peyton's not going to let them loose. He's just not, they're going to win it for Peyton. And sure enough, they did. This situation is a win one for Andy Reid. Andy Reid has been close. Andy Reid has suffered playoff disappointment after playoff disappointment. Everything lined up perfectly with the Patriots getting beat, the Ravens getting beat, first half deficits where they have to come back. It's just all there for Andy Reid and the Kansas City Chiefs, and I don't think that they let this opportunity pass them by. I think Andy Reid finally gets one. Patrick Mahomes is your Super Bowl MVP and the Chiefs win a wild one. 34 to 33 Kansas City. So that's my Super Bowl prediction. That's the Senior Bowl show. We'll have more draft preview shows upcoming, but for now, I'm Aaron the Brain. Amplified to rock Josh Dolphins Talk Josh, whatever you want to call him. He'll be back when he's back. Follow us on DolphinsTalk.com. Have a good one. Go!
Go Dolphins!